Hello and welcome to the podcast for the February 2011 issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Richard Lane here and this month I'm joined once again by John McConnell just to give a whistle-stop tour through some of the highlights. John, welcome. And I think the first thing we should say is that the red content of TLID, the research content, which has only been around a few months, we've got three RCTs, have we not? That's right, for the first time, yes. Excellent. And let's just briefly um, go through them. The first one looks topical because it's talking about H1N1 influenza. UK trial, John, just to briefly summarise what this is trying to look at. Well, it's quite unusual, and it's a a head-to-head comparison of two different flu vaccines uh, formulated against, as you say, the pandemic H1N1 strain. So this trial took place in 2009, uh, and what it's looking at is whether a, a whole virus vaccine was as immunogenic or more or less immunogenic than a split virus vaccine, which with the addition of adjuvant. The important point here is there's twice as much antigen in the in the formulation of vaccine without adjuvant as there is in the formulation with adjuvant. So basically, the adjuvanted vaccine was more immunogenic than the non-adjuvanted vaccine, and it uh, required half as much antigen. So there's a lesson here in that we can create vaccines, we can create effective vaccines using less antigen, which means that we can actually get more bang for our buck. So we can create more vaccine doses. Because they're easier uh, to produce. Because they're easier to produce. So once you've got your, um, you know, once you've grown up your virus, then you only need half as much to, uh, in each dose to create an effective vaccine. Thank you, John. That is an important point. And also, isn't there there a finding here that the authors comment on concerning actually the scheduling of this vaccine? There's some interesting information here about giving the vaccine to older people because there's been some doubts about the efficacy of the flu vaccine in uh, older people for whom it's normally targeted for some years. And uh, unusually, in this trial, there are some people over the age of 65 included. And looking at the results, which are rather detailed and take up several quite complicated tables, there's no doubt that the the vaccine is less immunogenic in people over 65 than it is in people under 65. And this is a finding for, for both varieties of the vaccine. So I think this is further evidence from a very good trial, from a proper randomized trial, and not just an observational evidence, that much more work needs to be done in making effective flu vaccines for the elderly. Thanks, John. And staying with vaccines, the second research article, this is looking at the potential of a malaria vaccine for young children in sub-Saharan Africa. Do you want to just outline what this study is concerned with? Well, this trial is the, uh, it's of something called the RTSS slash AS01. 1E malaria vaccine. Very catchy, that. Very catchy. And this is a very promising-looking candidate vaccine against Plasmodium falciparum malaria given to um, uh, to children, young children aged 15 to 17 months in uh, Kenya and Tanzania. Now, the results of this trial have been reported before, um, and the initial results were reported for eight-month follow-up. So what we're reporting here is a longer-term follow-up to 15 months. Um, and the, the vaccine does indeed look, look very promising. That's good news. And we'll come back to that article in a moment. But to actually staying with vaccines again, the leading edge editorial this month is talking about, if you like, well, an example, really, a case study, I guess, of a successful vaccination campaign in an emerging economy country, Nicaragua in this case. And just, just explain what this is about, John, because this is, get, this is getting the balance right between affordability for users and, and farmer interest. Well, I think what's uh, what the importance of this story is that um, that we've highlighted in the editorial 
is that this vaccine is a pneumococcal vaccine. It's the 13-valent pneumococcal vaccine. It only became available in the United States in the middle of last year. But in December, it was introduced into a developing country, into Nicaragua. And the way that Nicaragua essentially was able to... Uh, to, to afford this was a, a, a fun, funding mechanism funded by big donors, many of the, the Western world's most prominent donors, plus the Gates Foundation, called the Advanced Market Commitment. And essentially what this allows is that it guarantees that a purchase price for, uh, for vaccines for the pharmaceutical companies. So basically it makes it worth their while to produce vaccine in the knowledge that there will be a market for it, which means that the vaccine is available for about one-tenth of the price in countries such as Nicaragua, as it is in the United States. And this vaccine is now being rolled out into other developing world economies. And I think we've, I mean, we've got a success story here for a pretty high-tech vaccine, but going into essentially poor country or emerging market settings. Thanks very much, John. And um, I think that's our vaccine coverage done for the issue. But let's just finish with another research article briefly. And I just love the name of, of this actual infectious disease. Now, what's it called? Opithorsis, Opithorchus viverini? Right. Well, shall we call it the Asian liver fluke or Opithorchus <laughs> viverini? Sorry, that was terrible. Well done, John. <laughs> it just sounds great. But anyway, I need, but seriously, this is a rare infectious disease, as you say. But t- tell us what this is looking at. Well, actually, Richard, in uh, parts of Southeast Asia, particularly Laos and Cambodia, this uh, infection, this liver fluke, is not at all a rare disease. It seems to infect up to around about 10 million people. So quite a serious problem in um, some parts of um, Asia. And what this randomised trial shows is a comparison between a standard treatment for um, liver flukes, that's praziquantel, some drugs usually used to treat antimalarial, which is artesunate, with and without mefloquine, and a promising-looking new uh, antiparasitic drug called Tribendimidine. Uh, and essentially what the results show is that praziquantel, the standard antiparasitic drug, remains effective. The antimalarial combinations, the artesianate-based combinations, are not effective. But the tribendimidine is indeed an effective-looking new drug. And so what the sort of bottom-line message of this trial is that the tribendimidine is a very promising-looking alternative treatment for, um, for liver fluke disease.